The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. To everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. And to listen to the full interview, subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. And tonight we discuss geoengineering, chemtrails, and how to reach critical mass with our special guest, Dane Wigington, right now on Veritas. Dane Wigington has an extensive background in solar energy. Dane is a former employee of Bechtel Power Corp and was a licensed contractor in California and Arizona. His personal residence was featured in a cover article of the world's largest renewable energy magazine, Home Power. He owns a 1,600-acre wildlife preserve next to Lake Shasta in Northern California. He focused his efforts and energy on the geoengineering issue when he began to lose very significant amounts of solar uptake due to whatever increasing solar obscuration caused from the aircraft spraying as he also noted significant decline in forest health and began testing and research into the geoengineering issue about a decade ago. He's the lead researcher for geoengineeringwatch.org and has investigated all levels of geoengineering from chemtrails to HARP. He assisted Michael Murphy with his production of What in the World Are They Spraying and has appeared on an extensive number of interviews to explain the environmental dangers we face on a global level. And to learn more about Dane Wigginton and his work, visit his website at geoengineeringwatch.org, which is also linked at ours. And directly from beautiful Mount Shasta, California, I'm privileged to welcome Dane Wigginton. Hello, Dane, and welcome to Veritas. Hello, Mel. Thank you. Thanks for giving a voice to this, this cause that uh, we desperately need to educate people on. Absolutely. And first, I know, Dane, you were not an activist and are not politically oriented. So I'm curious as to how and when you started looking into this very important topic. Well, again, after growing up in a very smoggy Southern California and being alarmed at the lack of concern that the adults seemed to show uh, with this contamination, I mean, I I wanted literally my whole life to get out of that. And when I came to the Pacific Northwest expecting to find clean air and then seeing this activity overhead that, as you correctly referred to, that I began to research and found virtually volumes of data on climate engineering that I was astounded I had not heard about before and having no political affiliations, never been any sort of activist of any type. I, I just was faced with a choice of 
knowing what I knew from the research I had begun on this issue and the, the amount of metal that was showing up in our rain test that confirmed what was uh, listed in patents, that you're faced with a choice, Mel, that do you uh, do nothing or do you, do you try as hard as you can to sound the alarm? And I I simply felt there was no choice. I mean, there's nowhere to hide from this stuff. There's nowhere you can escape it. You can't uh, delete it from your diet, if you will, or like you can certain foods. You simply breathe it in with every breath. So I had no other choice but to engage in this fight. I've been at it for over 10 years nonstop. We've all heard of the Georgia Guidestone. So many people are going to probably think right about now, Mel, why are you bringing that up now? Well, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. How do you suppose they plan on eliminating over 90% of the population, perhaps by using the oldest trick in the book, and that is to do it right under our noses in the cloak of the phrase, it's all for your own good. Is this all being done for our own good, Dane? There's no denying, there's simply no denying that the eugenics factor in this is known and, and must be considered a, an aspect of these programs. There's climate aspects, no question about that. There's weather warfare aspects, no question about that. But when highly toxic chemicals, and now we see pathogens and so forth showing up in, in tests as well that appear to be engineered according to uh, very credible organizations like the Carnicom Institute, one simply can't deny that eugenics has to be considered a part of this. And the, uh, the sort of statements made by David Rockefeller that 95% of the population needs to go, why would we not believe this is a part of the equation when it's already happening. It's already happening. We look at recent figures on respiratory mortality. It's virtually off the charts. And uh, there, there's simply no question it's connected to these programs. Not to say that they're the only cause. They're not. But mathematically, they must be considered the greatest cause. When there's thousands of aircrafts circling the globe day in, day out, dumping tens of millions of tons of aluminum nanoparticulates, and we know this is happening. We have anybody who argues this, Mel, that's simply expressed to them that they're not willing to watch a video, uh, which we have numerous uh, reels of various planes spraying at altitude, there's no more argument left. We have film footage of it happening. We have the material showing up on the ground. There's no other plausible source. Air studies have been done in the particulates from China. Uh, these are not amongst them. This is clearly a local disbursement. Two and two equals four, period. They're spraying. We're breathing it. So there's no argument. It's not happening. And uh, there's a lot of layers to this onion, but certainly eugenics must be considered a part of it. I think this is probably one of my top 10 topics to discuss because it's right in front of us every single day. And what concerns me the most, Dane, is that most people, when you stand up next to them and you point at the sky and look at the plane, they simply look at you as if you're a conspiracy nut. Do you go through that sometimes? Oh, you must know in this battle, I've been through that more times than I could ever even begin to remember. Yeah. It's a constant barrage of, of those people. And there's a lot of different motivations for people to behave this way. Uh, some, perhaps with certain internet trolls, we can consider paid disinformation people, perhaps. But a whole lot of other people are simply afraid or well-trained. They're, they're conditioned to respond to anything like this in a certain manner. We see they follow that conditioning very closely. Some people are are simply so afraid this could be true. They seem to want to uh, throw everything they have at convincing you it's not happening so that maybe somehow they'll feel better inside. But uh, the bottom line is it's as, it's as real as it gets. And uh, I would argue that this issue, I made it a priority for the following reasons. That I, and I, I study all global issues, geopolitical, the nuclear issue, 
I mean, there's nothing I really don't try to keep on top of. But I would argue that climate engineering is, and I, I use that term loosely because, as we discuss eugenics and so forth, if if we can't escape this, if there's nowhere we can hide, and it's building up in our systems day in day out, we know what it does to to our mental function, our cognitive function. We see the stats with Alzheimer's, autism going off the charts, and we know it's toxifying the entire planet from the clouds to the ground. Uh, it's it's virtually killing the the biosphere's life functions. If we don't fix this, we won't face any challenge. It's that simple. So, although we we face a tremendous amount of things uh, across the board. I would argue this issue is the priority issue, and it doesn't negate the importance of other issues. It simply means, like, for, for example, in regard to GMO foods, which is an important issue. But you can choose to avoid GMO foods if you, if you make that choice. Now, you, at, at this point, however, I would argue there, there is no uh, organic food at this point because we know these bioavailable particulates are being uptaken in all plant life causing horizontal gene mutation, according to Norwegian researchers. And uh, we know that that these particulates are bioavailable. It has to be taken up in all plant life. You, there is no organic anything. So again, with, with issues like that, the climate engineering trumps even that cause or nuclear. We know we have three meltdowns in Fukushima, China syndrome occurring right now. We have others likely to follow. But I, it, it goes back to the point, if you can't live and breathe without taking this stuff in and we know its effect on the on the brain what challenges are we going to be are we going to be able to face if we can't think clearly it's that simple our food our water and our air are all under attack and the most disturbing part to me is that it all seems to be by design is this by design Dane? well there's no argument it's by design but when we look at that though that uh, that can be interpreted a lot of different ways Many interpret that as that it's an intentional effort to kill off everything on the planet, and I don't believe that. I don't see anything to make me believe that. I'm not saying I, I, I know that that's the case, but I see human completely unregulated power and control for so many decades. It's, it's, it's run so far off the rails that right now the global military-industrial complex is like a cancer that's consuming its host, literally. And at this point, you you can't uh, you, you can't infer that this is by design and that this is the intent to kill everything off. I, I believe that there is an intent to perhaps thin the population. It's hard to argue that because it's been openly discussed with the power elite. But I don't think the power elite bargained on what they have on their plate now, which is a planet that is in free fall toward a state that it will support no life, including them. And I don't believe that was part of their plan. So at, at this, on this current trajectory, again, our horizon is very, very dark and very immediate. And it's imperative that people decide what is their priority issue and, and to focus on that issue. And again, if we could bring, I, I've argued this point many times, if we could bring climate engineering to light and the populations of the globe could realize they have literally been poisoned by the power structure without their knowledge or consent, we would have populations in, in absolute riot around the globe trying to find who's responsible. And we need to reach that point. We need the military, our military, you know, good people that are doing what they're told is something benevolent. We need them on our side. We need them to realize what they're doing is, is killing themselves and their own posterity with the rest of us. So we must reach critical mass of awareness. No. 
You mentioned that this is also affecting them, and I have, I have to agree. And a popular question that I always get from people who want to voluntarily, I call them voluntarily remaining unaware. Mel, why would they be doing that? And if, and if what you say is true, that it's happening to them, it's landing on them too and their loved ones. Why would they be doing this if it's landing on them as well? This is a point that so many people bring up, and I think it's it's a common excuse used to discount what people can see with their own eyes. And I, I, I bring up repeatedly examples that we have that are historical fact of the same power structure doing things that have contaminated the entire planet, including themselves, from the nuclear detonations to the use of depleted uranium ammunition to the nuclear contamination that we have now from the nuclear power plants. And yet even now, even with three reactors in full meltdown in Japan, we're going to, we're going to build more reactors in Georgia, which a, a huge amount of money, I think it's 6.5 billion was just uh, allotted by Obama to build more nuclear facilities. Uh, this is plain and simply insanity, insanity of the first order. There's no other term for it, Mel. And I, every day I, when I wake up and I, I, I try to get back uh, in the groove with the fight for the day. You know, it, it's like waking up into a B horror movie. It literally is, where uh, there's so much insanity around you and so few people who are willing to even acknowledge it, let alone try to do something about it. It's it's truly astounding. But I I argue this point as well, and I I'll continue to. We won't be able to hide from this for long, and those people who think that they can are sadly mistaken. And they'll find out very soon that uh, the the proverbial chickens are home to roost. And this is unfolding now. It's not not off on the horizon. I'm hearing about increased spraying all over the globe. I hear from people all over the planet. And I mean, they're they're absolutely beside themselves with what they're seeing in their skies. And the the rate of increase, the rate of contamination, the rate of die-off is increasing by the day. And there's simply no hiding from this for much longer. So people will have their heads yanked out of the sand very soon. I recently did a, an, an interview with a, a doctor who we discussed Fukushima and what it's doing and also the logistics behind the business reasons why we get, we get so many nuclear power plants in the United States. It's just business because they're subsidized. And if anything goes wrong, we, the people, bail them out. And one thing people are not thinking also when there's a meltdown, uh, you know, what's happening in Fukushima. But if we'll talk about the magnetosphere in a moment being decreased, which opens the doors to, to you know, solar bursts and Carrington events and all that sort of thing, that if we get a, 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 if the grid goes down, imagine all these Fukushimas in the United States. We get, what, seven to 30 days of uh, diesel to cool off the, the, the plants. And if, if that goes out in 30 days, then we have all of this happening at the same time, this is an extension level 11 for the entire planet. It is, and we're already in the sixth great mass extinction as we speak. And uh, I believe nine out of 10 biologists will admit to this. They, and and the, the other biologist who doesn't admit to this out of 10 is, is simply ignorant of that fact or paid to lie about it. So yes, we are, des- we are descending into completely unknown territory and um, the amount of fuel there is to sustain these plants if, if there's a grid shutdown, and that's an inevitability. There's no question. I mean, that's coming. And if, if there's a large um, CME, coronal mass ejection, it's going to come much sooner. Um, electromagnetic pulse, uh, 
same thing. So, you know, we're right now dancing on the deck of the Titanic. There's no question about that. The the, The question that still remains is if enough people could wake up and get up off the bench and start to help our our collective reality to to help bring things to light and help change our course, we may perhaps change direction enough to allow the Earth to respond, stop the destruction of the planet's life support systems, and, and perhaps the Earth may still be able to support some life in some areas. And that's how serious our situation is. It's very sobering, and I hope people don't shut down when they hear such news. I, I would argue it's incumbent upon all of us, no matter how dark the horizon, to stay in the battle, to stay in the fight for the common good. You don't just lay down and do nothing. And if cumulatively we came together and did not abandon our post, if you will, uh, who knows what good we might do in this late hour. And there's there's unknown factors that may be in our favor uh, still, but there's plenty that aren't. And uh, that that's becoming clear every day. And on the what you correctly mentioned, Mel, on the the expense of, for example, the nuclear power plants, the true expense, as we see with Fukushima, how can you even put a, you can't put a number on that. We don't even know how long that's going to go. It, it appears for the latest stats, if all goes as planned, and obviously nothing has gone as planned so far, could take 40 to 50 years to cold shut down those plants. How, and the, the Pacific is already poisoned. How can we put a, a price on that? Let's take the supposed bonanza of fracking that a lot of people uh, think is so wonderful. It's destroying everything. It's pumping methane into the atmosphere, poisoning aquifers. It's destroying infrastructure, the roads that the the local taxpayers then have to pay for the roads that were destroyed by the fracking trucks, not to mention their poisoned wells, uh, the increased methane. It's it's like a circus of insanity. We're, We're immersed in a circus of insanity, and people better wake up fast or there'll be nothing left to say. You know, I remember the BP oil spill and how they were trying to hide the damage, the extent of the spill with Corexit. Now we have Fukushima. But recently we've seen this drought in California, where you are, in the West Coast. And I wonder, Dean, if this could have been manufactured to prevent rainfall from falling there and basically avoiding a radioactive rainfall. Do you think that this might be true? I think I caught most of that. Again, I'm having some audio issues you're breaking up, but I I caught most of what you said. I do not believe that to be the case. I don't believe there's anything benevolent in this equation. I know, again, a a certain individual, certain radio or independent stations have tried to take that position that perhaps they're trying to protect us from something. There's absolutely no real rational justification for that conclusion. What we see is, if we follow the jet stream path, We see what appears to be at least one aspect of the drought in California is that it's a climate sacrifice zone for what they're trying to do in the Arctic, what they're trying to keep from happening. You hear other people talk about, uh, for example, with the Arctic, that they're, they're intentionally trying to melt the Arctic. Now, this was discussed in the... Uh, 80s, even in the early 90s, there was some discussion in some circles, but that doesn't mean it was fact or ever instituted. And now what we see is as the Arctic ice has imploded, for example, in 2007, when it was in freefall, a radical ramp up of the spraying, a very, very anomalous recovery of surface ice that appeared to be a direct result of massive blocking of the sun with geoengineering, that's what its stated purpose is, and artificial ice nucleation, which we know is happening. So this ice miraculously, the surface area, not the mass, the surface area expanded. And if this is not a direct uh, sign 
of the fact that the power structure, whatever their intentions were decades back, clearly they're trying frantically, desperately, and destructively to try to keep that ice from disappearing completely. So there's a, a lot of people have a lot of notions about certain things, like the California issue that you brought up uh, being something that's being done benevolently to protect us from radiation. In fact, if they weren't blanket spraying the Eastern Pacific and they were allowing the hydrological cycle to ensue, the rain cycle, it would rain out a lot of this material over the oceans before it reached us, and they're not letting that happen. They're, in effect, migrating it more effectively by this spraying, which keeps the, the hydrological cycle from happening, so they can migrate this material anywhere they want and make it come down. And in the case of California, we have a 2 plus 2 equals 4 equation. We know they're blanket spraying off the coast. We know that they're creating high-pressure zones above us, both of which block precipitation. So whatever the motive, it's certainly an intentional blocking of the rain. And on the radiation situation, again, it's simply migrating it up into Alaska and then back down into the lower 48 further east. So uh, unless one assumes that they, they're trying to save California and kill the rest of the country, uh, I don't think that's the case. It's just simply whatever they're doing climate-wise to perhaps even uh, try to do things in the Arctic, it affects everything downstream, including us in California. So we're either a climate sacrifice zone and or a target for drought to control food supplies, or the more likely scenario is that we're both. We're both. Now look at Alaska. Didn't they have the, their warmest January in a recorded history? And we hardly heard that in the media. That should be a big red flag to people. And this is why I've tried to drive this point home again and again and again. The media has so successfully conditioned people to certain headlines, you know, about Al Gore or Climate Gate, and headlines that really were insignificant in the overall data scenario. But they've so conditioned people that now people believe that no matter what the reality is around them that or, or what the overall statistics are from the ground they're very easy easily manipulated into believing that in fact the planet is cooling and this is simply patently wrong there there is no credible statistical data to support that conclusion but people now are conditioned that way and they believe it and this in fact helps to sell geoengineering when you have climate engineers and big oil all of which are behind climate engineering. And I, I posted an article today, Mel, on geoengineeringwatch.org and, and hard statistics of just how money, how much money is going into clouding the climate issue at this point. The media has changed direction. People need to change their heading with that. Were they, were they, was the media trying to convince us at one time that the climate was warming to institute these uh, carbon credits and so forth? Yes. Have they changed directions? Yes. They have absolutely changed directions. And what you just mentioned should be a big uh, red flag uh, as a testimony to that. No, While they were broadcasting the, the cold temperatures in the lower 48, you never saw a media headline saying, oh, by the way, it's warmer at the North Pole, which it was. Normer, warmer at the North Pole than in the lower 48. Uh, record warmth in Alaska. Record warm temperatures around the globe. The warmest November on record. The third warmest January on record. Nobody talks about that. Media doesn't mention it. IPCC report out a week ago yesterday basically stating if we stay on this course, the human race will go extinct. Did you see much about that? CNN gave it 15 seconds, literally. People should wake up and realize they're being manipulated. At this point, big oil and the military-industrial complex wants them to believe the planet is cooling or there is no warming. Business as usual, geoengineering is a success then in, in the eyes of uh, leaders around the globe. 
people need to wake up. They need to, to uh, look at all the data because right now the planet's in full-blown meltdown. Climate engineering is making it worse, not better. They can create large cooling zones as they have in the eastern U.S. again and again and again while the west fries, the east is underneath these cooling uh, engineered areas. But the bottom line is uh, this is being being orchestrated from top to bottom, and people need to look at all the facts. They need to look at all the data and realize that the, the media is now simply trying to hide a situation that's so grave that they're trying to keep the, the public uh, calm and oblivious to it as long as possible. The media, as I call it, the Ministry of Propaganda. But why the change of heart, perception-wise, from global warming to now global cooling? What, what's the purpose of that? Because I believe what they thought they could control and use as a tool to saddle people with burdens that they already were unable to carry mm -hmm. has gone so far off the rails so quickly. I believe the power structure did not bargain for this. The methane release alone happening in the Arctic is changing our reality by the day. So people who believe that the power structure has everything thought out, figured out, they do everything in a manner that's exactly what they planned. I don't believe that. I don't I don't see that happening. When you see the kind of debacles we see with uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, and we see the what can only be described as really horrific errors in judgment. Even if even with the intent to invade countries illegally, immorally, they could have done a hell of a lot cleaner job than they did, right? So there's mistakes made all the way along the line. And the same right now with uh Situations like the Gulf of Mexico, which you mentioned, is that was that really the intent to poison the oceans? I don't, I don't believe it was. I, I believe that they are careless with the environment, but I don't believe they intentionally poisoned it. But when something happens, what's their goal? What's their goal? And the Gulf of Mexico, as you correctly mentioned, is a perfect example. Their goal with Corexit, it was to hide it. And for those that don't know what Corexit, again, a, a chemical disbursement that's illegal throughout most of the globe was used here, even when it was. Uh, supposed to be stopped here. They continued to use it. And according to most studies, that chemical made the Gulf oil spill up to 52 times more toxic, but they did it anyway because the goal was to hide it. No matter how much worse it made the situation, climate's the same same scenario. So it's a weapon, a very effective weapon. It's being used by Russia, China, and the NATO powers. I believe the NATO powers are the ones that are really fueling the use of these weapons. But at this point, they're not about to give that up. They're not about to give it up, no matter how dire it's making our potential for survival on the planet. They're not going to give it up. And of course, who's one of the largest shareholders of the company that manufactures corrects it? Al Gore. There you have it. And, you know, you've been Good involved. Old Al. <laughs> Pardon? I, I'm with you on that completely. And I, you know, he, he, he is such an, a, a pivotal part of the whole confusion right now because he, he's so his hypocrisy was so mind-numbing that it's it's impossible not to feel disdain for him and some people's disdain is so great and it's understandable it's so great though that they've stopped looking at reality and that's that's a problem too i mean gore is is the epitome of hypocrisy he's, he's a part of the power structure but there are still certain realities on the ground that people must look at if they're going to be uh, have a credible picture of what's going on and you mentioned, not to deviate from the topic, but you mentioned Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, 
and we're morally telling Putin from Russia not to get involved in in uh, Ukraine. I mean, what moral standard do we, uh, the, the hypocrisy, the double standard that's always coming from us. But going back to chemtrails for a second, a lot of our listeners probably watched the documentary, What in the World Are They Spraying, that you were involved in. And then we had, Why in the World Are They Spraying? Are they spraying? But who, Dane, Dane, who in the world is spraying? First, um, I'll answer that question in a moment. I want to back up to what you said about what's happening with the U.S. overseas, and you're, you're so completely on target. I mean, the hypocrisy absolutely boggles the mind that the U.S., who has got boots on the ground in 156 countries around the globe, many of those countries, which we believe now were brought to their knees with climate engineering, forced to allow U.S. occupation. We have some recent examples of this, by the way, like the Philippines, when the cycle Cyclone Haiyan cut a swath through the Philippines, killing, you know, whatever, killed 10,000 people. The U.S. moved in under humanitarian humanitarian pretexts. Now they're setting up bases in the Philippines. And, and so we see, again, 156 countries around the globe with U.S. boots on the ground, and they have our, our, our quote-unquote leaders have the audacity to make the claims they make, and our media backs it up. And I, I saw films, Mel, of John McCain's private jet with armored cars backed up to it, unloading funds that were given to some of the most militant protesters in Kiev for the specific purpose of paying them to create havoc in that country. And then McCain has the absolute, I, I, don't, I don't even have the words for it. I mean, the, the gall. To Photo ops with him. It's incredible. And, and then can we imagine what it would be like if Putin came over here with his private jet paying, paying and arming Wall Street protesters to sack Wall Street? It would be absolute uh, World War III. But yet when our quote-unquote leaders go over there and foment this violence again and again and again, where's people's memory on this? I, I, I'm baffled. Even people I know who are against the spraying, who know our government is spraying them like rats, as soon as there's some other conflict going on like Kiev, suddenly they're waving their pom-poms and, and, and rooting USA. I don't understand this. I mean, uh, uh, the bottom line is they had any regard for the, the, the principles this country was supposedly built on, uh, they would be behaving very differently. So I hope people look at real news, real data, and understand that, it, that uh, our country right now is really at the head of a, a lot of violence. And I'm not, a, I'm not a Russia fan per se. My wife's from Lithuania. Uh, she knows firsthand what the Russian occupation was like. Uh, she was there when the Iron Curtain came down. She was actually there where the tanks were rolling across people and, you know, a lot of bad history. But that doesn't change what's happening right now. And right now, it is it is our country and the NATO powers that are fomenting violence around the globe. So I hope people look at real data there because that's all connected to climate engineering, by the way, too. Let me weave those two together in that as the curtain begins to pull back and the lump doesn't fit under the rug, climate engineering is starting to come out, starting to be more well-known. When the population realizes they've been sprayed, and contaminated irreparably, the power structure will do something. And I would argue what we see happening overseas, the violence they're fomenting is directly connected even to things like geoengineering, that uh, when, they, when they can't hide certain crimes any longer, they'll, they'll drop another shoe. And that's what I would argue is happening. So on the film, Who in the World? I don't think that film's going to happen. I have had no contact with, with uh, Michael Murphy for uh, well over a year. Uh, there's issues there that I couldn't ignore, and I think a lot of people might know what those issues are. So I, I wish him the best, and uh, uh, but that film is not going to happen to my knowledge. But if I had to ask you, 
if you had to deconstruct the, 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 the getting into into the belly of the beast, who do you think is doing this? And the reason why I ask you this, anybody who's flown a plane, they know how much it costs to fly a plane. And we see hundreds of planes flying on a daily basis. And I've been to countries that are considered uh, third world or world or countries. And you see these planes flying there. And I've asked some of their Air Force, let me pick on Mexico, for example. I've been observing what happens there. I even went to the Air Force and I asked them. And they said to me, it's not ours. It's not us. Now, at one point you said, I believe you mentioned that they pushed back, but something happened. What happened? I believe it's thousands of planes, not not hundreds. I believe we were at that, that point. The spring has been so ramped up. It's probably thousands. As far as who... I think it's it's easy enough to state that those who print the money, those who run the central banks, mm. can fund anything they want. They can print whatever they want. And when people think this is taxpayer money, in a sense, that's not true. I mean, they, the whole taxpayer situation is just to keep people saddled with, with debts and uh, under the thumb, if you will. So the central banks clearly is where the endless supply of funds come from. As far as Mexico goes, in the spring there, what what appears to have been a possibility that Mexico, people that we knew in Mexico thought that the government was pushing back. There was some uh, media in their region that indicated there was a, a pushback from the government on these, these atmospheric modification programs prior to the swine flu event. And just after the swine flu event in Mexico, the spring ensued, it appeared that it's at least possible that that was a shot across Mexico's bow. And we saw similar circumstances in Ireland when there was some data that indicated perhaps the Irish government was pushing back against these programs and then their country was collapsed. They, they were the, one of the first dominoes to fall in the economic collapse. So it's it's all been impossible to prove things like this, but nevertheless, in one form or another, countries who try to push back seem to encounter serious problems and and this is rammed down their throat. So, And we also see some interesting instances, Mel, where in the last two climate conferences, Cancun and Copenhagen, there was record cold temperatures at both conferences at the time of the conference, and in spite of warmer temperatures in the surrounding areas. So could this be a coincidence? I don't think so. And it appears a demonstration of geoengineering and an effort to force countries to sign on, to cooperate. Uh, We saw the cutting of renewable energy subsidies after some of these conferences, which I suppose one would assume would be the case if countries are going to participate in the blocking of the sun. I suppose putting up solar plants doesn't make much sense anymore. So uh, we saw that happen. And we also saw futures for aluminum jump 25, 27% after both conferences. Hmm. Why? I think the dots connect as they sign on for these programs. They know they're going to be using a lot of aluminum and you know, a lot of this stuff is right in front of our faces, but people who uh, want to pretend it's not real are going to be in for a rude awakening. So. And it's interesting that I've been speculating about central banks for a long time. You're the very, very first person to 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 think alike in that regard because this is a multi-billion-dollar operation, and if if most countries are in a you know downward spiral when it comes to the economy, only an entity that can print money and it's not a it's not an object. It's literally not an object for them. They're the ones then who are financing this for what reason? They want to create wars. They want to perhaps uh, manipulate the the price of commodities. What is it that they're after? Still having some serious audio issues through some of the questions, but I think I caught most of it. Again, a couple major aspects should be looked at in, in the scope of why they're spraying. 
One is the ship is sinking. The methane leaking from the Arctic alone is enough to, if that entire reservoir escapes into the atmosphere, life on Earth is over, many times over. I mean, the, the amount of methane there in the Laptev Sea alone is thought to be something on the order of perhaps as much as 10,000 gigatons. And if as much as a fraction of a percent of that escapes, that's an avalanche on top of the warming already that's occurred on the planet. So if you get an idea mathematically, there's enough to turn the planet into Venus there, quite literally. So I think the power structure is, is two major aspects right now. Sickening the population, sickened populations don't tend to protest much. In fact, uh, again, all of us are not firing as many as we would have been had we not been exposed to these programs. So they're able to control sickened and eventually cull populations, and at the same time, try desperately to deflect enough of the sun's incoming thermal energy to slow this methane release, and perhaps they think they can stop it or cap it. It's it's insane at face value. I mean, again, how long can you fly thousands of jets around the globe doing something that can temporarily create short-term, low-level cooling at the cost of making the overall warming worse? And isn't that the definition of insanity? These you have these programs that have been built up and these companies and that make money. And we, we know this about corporate entities or the sort of insanity that runs them. They only look at the next quarter or the immediate uh, gain from whatever they're doing. So if things get worse, it's good for them. They can put more aircraft in the air, more aluminum sales. more, And that's the kind of mentality you have, even though it's it's virtually killing the entire planet. But both those aspects, I would argue, are the most key right now. They're able to sicken and eventually cold populations, and at the same time, in their mind, try to slow a runaway greenhouse effect, which I believe data indicates we are already in. Indicates very clearly we're in a runaway greenhouse effect right now. We're going to discuss some of the conditions that we speculate are being caused by the aerosol spraying, but, you know, there's such a preponderance, Dane, you know this, of autism before, you know, before the 1980s, it used to be, what, one in 10,000. Then in 2000 and 2002, it was, what, one in 150. Now, one in, in 67 children. In boys, it's one in 42. When parents rise up and say, wait a second, enough, obviously something's going to happen. When people realize that, 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 this is on a pandemic level. I remember back in 2009 with the swine flu, the W, uh, the w uh, World Health Organization raised its level to pandemic. Why didn't we do that with the regular flu? At the same time, we had this pandemic level of autism. If parents come to the realization that this is being caused perhaps by aluminum in the food and the water, fluoride in the, in the spraying, do you think... And bear with me here. Do you think the purchase order of, of 1.6 billion hollow point bullets and, and 2,700 MRAPs, mine-resistant armor protective vehicles, by DHS, do you think this has something to do with preparation or at least discussions that people are waking up? There's no question about it. Absolutely no question. I mean, I, I think the latest figure is 2.2 billion rounds of 40 caliber hollow point. So let's mathematically plug that in. You know, that's over six rounds per citizen in the U.S., every man, woman, and child. So, yes, they're absolutely preparing. And again, as the lump doesn't fit under the rug, as the power structure begins to be exposed and they can't hide the magnitude of what we face and the, the magnitude of their crimes, they will do something. And I would argue that that's, that's coming. 
it's close. And people who think this that the trouble's far off on the horizon somewhere are, are going to be forced to pull their head out of the sand very quickly. It's all connected. It's absolutely all connected. The provisions are being set up right now. But with all their provisions, I would again argue this, that no matter how much groundwork they've laid, that when all those people within the government who they expect to carry out their orders, when as those people begin to wake up, begin to realize that their families are caught up in this this absolute implosion of civilization, I think it's unlikely that they will carry out their orders against their own citizens, against their own family members. And I think that, that all these plans by the global elite will not reach fruition. That doesn't mean that we're not in very deep trouble. I mean, we're in, we're in free fall. Modern civilization, Mel, if you really look at all the aspects from the nuclear, which we described, to the aerosol issues in the spring, if you jump off the 100-story building, you might feel like you're flying, but you're not. And, and right now, we're, we're passing the second story. Next stop is the sidewalk. And modern civilization, with all its aspects, its warfare, its, its uh, assault on, on the life support systems of the planet, it was never sustainable. Never. And we're about to find that out in, in very harsh fashion. So, again, if we're to have any chance of anything surviving what's coming, people have to wake up now. I've heard people in the financial industry say that weather is a commodity. So if you can control the weather, you can control the market. Do you think there's a relationship between chemtrails and manipulating the markets? There's no question about that. You know, again, an example I've used before is if, if you had a a treasure ship sinking in the middle of the ocean, I'm sure you'd have plenty on that ship that would be trying to fill their pockets with loot, even though that would cause them to sink as well. But Human mentality can't seem to get around that. So, yes, you have disaster capitalists trying to make a return off what's unfolding around us, but at the same time, the ship is going down and they'll go with it. So that profit will be of not much use to them very soon. You see a lot of people with a lot of resources now in the world. I've had a couple bankers call me from... I had one from Manhattan, one from Texas that were livid about the spraying. But to my knowledge, they've done nothing to date, nothing, not spent a penny or not lifted a finger to help expose this issue because they're they're too caught up with trying to protect their perceived wealth. But the wealth is truly a, a, a planet that sustains life, resources. And this is not plugged into the equation. Whenever you talk you hear about GDP or jobs or it's absolutely ludicrous all this discussion of people talking about what's going to happen in 2020 and 2030 and with social security none of that's going to matter under any scenario short of some outside unforeseen miraculous intervention from somewhere um we, the reality that people perceive is coming is absolute fantasy it's not going to happen if you and i don't claim to have a crystal ball i don't i'm simply looking at data and if you look at that data again it's it's like looking at a car going 100 miles an hour and five feet from impact into the side of a, a solid concrete wall. Now, you, you can't say where all the parts are going to fly, but you can damn sure say it's going to hit, it's going to be ugly, and it's going to be over, uh, at least what we've known. And that's where we're at. No amount of application of the brakes will change that outcome. And we are not only not applying the brakes, human race is applying the accelerator. So that's a scenario we have, and um, it's not pretty, but there's a lot of solace in facing that directly accepting it because we have to accept it whether we accept it well or accept it poorly we will accept whatever's coming 
I would argue people should accept it in a manner that's constructive and try to do something, even at this late hour. It takes, it's going to take all of us. And those of us who were around before the new quote-unquote clouds came along know the difference. But have you noticed that we see the new man-made patterns on TV commercials, Hollywood movies, even children's cartoons, almost as if they're planting the, the pictures of what it should be normal in our minds. They're telling us we're here to stay. Have you noticed that too? Well, you bring up a great point. And again, this, this comes back to where I, I feel what's changed with the power structure, what's changed with the media message. Yes, they put a tremendous amount into conditioning the population to seeing this in the sky, to letting go of any notion of a blue sky, that the sky should always be industrial looking gray with this dirty, toxic stuff up there. And all the various aspects, they've woven that into our reality, again, in kids' films and advertisements and so forth. And I believe the power structure truly thought they could play God with the weather indefinitely. And that is simply not the case. And so now, although many people, as you very correctly stated, don't even know what a real sky should look like, don't even know what a real cloud looks like. And that's a very sad state of affairs. But I believe the system has frayed apart much more rapidly than the power structure thought it would. And so now they're in a panic. I think you have a fraying of the power structure, which is a good thing for the rest of us. And now it's uh, anybody's guess as to how it will play out. But you have a global chess game going on. I believe China, Russia, and other global powers on one side, the NATO powers on the other. But increasingly, you have a, a global community that is starting to see the Western powers, uh, what they've done, their actions around the globe, the amount of carnage they've caused. And, and we have other examples of this, of course, with Nazi Germany and Russia and uh, Asia. But mm -hmm. right now, uh, there's no arguing rationally that, that the, the Western powers are simply conquering nation, toppling nation after nation. Uh, trying to grab the resources in a, in a frantic uh, rush to secure what's left. There's no arguing that that's what's going on. Okay, let me just repeat the question. All right, so there's a lot of pushback. If you look at the counties and cities, uh, people that don't want Florida in the water and people yeah. saying we need to label the food. So what's left? It's the air. So if we're accustomed to seeing, we're conditioned to look at the sky as normal now, what a great way to deliver new new chemicals, new biological agents, and nobody's going to question it. And they're not. Indeed, they're not. And when you have, even with something like aluminum, the state of California stopped testing for aluminum drinking water in 2002. Shouldn't that raise alarms with everybody? They stopped testing for aluminum in the runoff. They test for 135 elements from anybody who contributes runoff to the tributaries in California, but not aluminum. And again, people who even know this, who should be alarmed, seem content just going about their lives as if nothing's wrong or focusing some, on some other issue. And, and the, the environmental groups specifically who are addressing fluoride and all these other issues are completely unwilling to face the climate engineering issue. That's astounding to me. That stinks of hypocrisy to me. And I don't care what their motives are, their reasons. And, and even organizations like Greenpeace that have claimed to be champions of the environment, the planet, are patently ignoring this issue, absolutely ignoring it. And I, I had, uh, it's been, I don't know, a couple months ago now, I, 
I was on a national radio show with Greenpeace's top scientists, and it's I I tried as as best as I could without being pulled off the air to make it clear <laughs> that I I found it completely incomprehensible that he would not know about these programs. And I think anybody who listened to that show would conclude that he absolutely knew, but was not willing to talk about it. So again, people who think they're protecting their jobs, and there's a lot of people in academia who feel that uh, if they they just want to toe the line so that there's no risk of their employment, their job's not going to matter much longer. It's that simple. I mean, it's not. There's no, there's no ifs or ands or buts about that. We are in free fall toward a very different reality, a very, very difficult reality. And people need to find their courage. They simply need to find their courage and decide why they're here. Why are they here? Is it about a job? And if you really love your children, is it better for you to keep your job? Or is it better for you to speak out about issues on which your child's life literally depends? What, what act is showing more honor? There's no question which one it is. So uh, this is the time when people find out what they're made of. Someone like you, charismatic, eloquent, professional, with a great background, impeccable background, have you ever tried to contact a member, a high member, a ranking member of the EPA, for example, or government? And if so, how do they respond? Yes. I've, I've spoken in front of the California Energy Commission. I've presented data to their top scientists in 2010. And the state recognized they were losing 20 to 40 percent of their rainfall from quote particulates of unknown origin, and it's the same behavior I just described. I mean, we've heard nothing from them, and it comes back to the money. Mel it comes back to the money and the central banks. If you look at the data, it, it becomes quite clear the state's getting 30, 40, 50 billion a year of printed Fed backdoor money to keep the state afloat. So everybody's paid off at that point. So no matter how bad it gets. There's no response. And I, I was in a high-level EPA meeting also in 2010, I believe. It was arranged by a congressional rep. We had we had uh, FAA daily flight tracking manuals there that were we acquired through a congressional rep as well because national security, you can't just get that, showed these planes making big circles back and forth over the state, clearly not commercial traffic. We presented mountains of data to, to them, these five top EPA reps, but it it was pointless. It was clear that they, they wanted no part of this, that they were interested in their jobs. They, they again, disclosed to us, as I mentioned earlier, that our combustion particulates only is all they're mandated to test for, and, and they don't even look for anything else. They don't care, and I quote, if there's depleted uranium in, in, the, or in the rain. They don't care. They don't care. The system is designed not to show this. High-ranking members of government, yes, I had a meeting at the state capitol with a private meeting with the lieutenant governor and his aide recently. Now, I I sincerely believe that they accept this is going on, and I, I'm continuing to feed data there, but I think that given the gravity of what this, this issue is, that even people in that high of a post are literally afraid for their lives. And I think that they're accurate to be afraid for their lives. I do because this is something that the power structure will hide to the last possible moment. Can you imagine if a majority of the populations around the globe really understood this was going on and really accepted it? Our equation would change immediately, immediately. People would be uh, absolutely screaming at the top of their lungs and looking for who to hold responsible. If, if they really came to the point where they accepted it, we would be there. 
and the power structure will do everything it can to hide it until then. So even at top levels of government, and yes, I have had such meetings, at least at the state level, um, they're, I think, very legitimately afraid. But even then, I would argue, if you know the ship's going down, if you know you're being marched into the gas chamber, at what point do you make your voice heard, even if there's risk? There's risk to all of us. I know the risk by speaking out. What's my choice? What's my choice? How do I face... I have two beautiful children. How do I face them if I don't try? How, how do I look them in the eyes and pretend to love them? How, how, how do I do that? I can't. I can't do it. So uh, no matter what the risk, no matter what the ramifications, it's incumbent on all of us to stand up now while we still have a chance. I never get tired of saying it. I do what I do to leave a better place, a better world for our children and our children's future generations. But, you know, the sovereign states, you, you, you mentioned how they're now behaving more like federal districts. Is it because tax revenues down statewide and in order to survive, they need to play, you know, play ball with the federal government so they can get the federal funding? Exactly right. You're exactly right. I mean, the whole system is set up this way. And that's why anytime anybody tries to fight the dollar, as the global reserve currency, they have to be taken down. Uh, according, you know, at least in the the perception of the NATO powers or the U.S. government. Uh, when when you look back to Iran, even going back 10, 12 years, when Iran first threatened to open up a an, well, let's go back even further. In fact, uh, let's go back to Saddam Hussein, who was going to start trading oil in currency other than dollars, taken out immediately, taken out. Iran going, you know, 10 years later, from you know, 92 or 3 to, to 2003, Iran was heading the same direction. Immediately, they were backed into a corner, threatened. They they backed down from their oil borse that was going to trade oil and currency other than dollars. And now the same thing is happening again. Look at Libya. Well, Libya. Yep. And you know, he was going to start, uh, Gaddafi was going to start trading in currency other than dollars, taken out. Uh, without the dollar being the global reserve currency, the empire would die, and they know it. And anybody who tries to thwart that gets taken out. But now there's too much tide; it's turning. Uh, the end is is drawing near. The only thing that the empire has right now for strength is a massive military machine. It's gone as an industrial power. Uh, the walls are closing in, and no matter what people think that you hear people talking about again, jobs and, and creation or getting the economy going, this is all absolute fantasy and insanity. If there's, if the natural resources are depleted, it's game over. It's that simple. It's game over. And I live in a forest that was thriving 10 years ago, absolutely thriving. You couldn't, if, if, if you stayed out there for the night, and I, I often do, it's, it's, it's a really immense wilderness behind me. You couldn't, you couldn't wake or sleep in the morning because it, there were so many, many birds that, uh, of so many different varieties, you couldn't sleep. Now you don't hear a sound. You literally don't hear a sound. I had a bear uh, there's a lot of bears in the back. I have you know, a couple thousand miles of wilderness behind me, a couple thousand square miles, uh, you know, about, about th 30 by 60 miles, something like that square. So I just have a big cactus that I planted some years ago, and uh, a bear just ate it. He ate it all the way down to the ground with spines and everything. Now, a bear has to be damn hungry to eat a cactus with spines. There's nothing else for him to eat. There's literally nothing else to eat. We don't see frogs. I mean, the ecosystem has imploded here. It's hard to walk through the forest and see these giant fir trees 
If they're not dead, they're damn close to being dead. You can see right through the forest. You can see the light shining through. There's no closed canopy. The, the sun is burning the hell out of everything. The rain that does fall is toxic. When they do the artificially nucleated storms, and like in 2012, December 21st, 2012, massive artificially nucleated storm here. And I documented that in an article, by the way, on geoengineeringwatch.org. But it was very surreal in that this nucleated snow is much, much heavier natural much more it sticks like glue because there's more moisture content and it shouldn't be snowing at 40 degrees it started snowing here at 40 degrees so it's a chemically nucleated snow we know that because we've tested it by the way so all i could hear in the forest it was it was absolutely heart-wrenching all i could hear were these giant trees collapsing in the forest trees that have stood for hundreds of years collapsing from this chemically nucleated snow and all I could hear besides that were jets passing over, mm. one after another after another, right above the clouds. It was it was like a, again like a horror movie. And 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 you walk out in the forest and find these giant trees on their back, crushing everything around them, and you know uh, just devastated forest, absolutely devastated. So and then we go into the drought. Then they cut the moisture off completely, and anything that managed to survive the snowstorm starts to die from the drought. And the forest here now is literally, it's it's in implosion mode. Literally. And so no resources, no people. And notice trees now all, I'm not an expert when it comes to trees, but I've noticed that they're very wrinkly. They seem, you touch them and you start, you can grab a piece of it. They're so dry. Is, is it the change in the pH of the rain turning from acidic to alkaline that's causing some of this? It's a lot of factors. Now, it depends on the soils in a region. Some regions are more affected by the spraying than others. For example... Soils in Montana are naturally alkaline, even in the forest. Uh, very different uh, strata there. So in the Pacific Northwest, however, we have highly acidic soils, and the organisms are adapted for that acidity. So when acidity jumps 10, 12, 14 times toward alkaline, huge, hugely detrimental effect on the organisms. Now let's add the bioavailable metals themselves. And we have study on that from, for example, UC Riverside on the effect of bioavailable aluminum. Organisms sense that toxin, they shut down nutrient uptake, they start to die. So you have local forest service outlets saying, oh, it's just the beetles. What made the beetles able to take that tree down? Beetles have always been here. Why are they killing everything now? Because that organism can't defend itself. It can't defend itself. So you have a UV that's off the charts. I mean, completely off the charts. We have UVB that we are metering, by the way, and we know that UVB is is from 1,200% to 2,000% higher than we're being told. This is astronomically high. It's dangerously high. It can cause blindness. It's burning the bark off a tree. So that's frying the trees. The lack of water, water it does fall, is toxic. Uh, There's a whole host of elements that are absolutely devastating life, period. We've seen aquatic insect life decline, Mel, in Northern California, as measured by U.S. Forest Service biologists, 35-year guy, 90-plus percent decline in 10 years. 90 plus percent. Wow. And UVA and B cause cancer. How about UVC? Shouldn't it even, it shouldn't even touch the ground. It should, shouldn't it stop at 100,000 feet above the atmosphere? You're correct. And, and we are seeing, we are picking up UVC at the surface now. For people that don't know how the bandwidths work, you have four bandwidths of UV radiation, UVA at the top, the most benign, UVB, of which we're told only 5% of incoming total UV should be UVB. We know we now know it's 60%, then UVC, and then X-ray. So 
you can see as these bandwidths increase, it becomes very, very lethal. And again, no ozone layer, no life on Earth. And the the folly of these programs, it's, it's the greatest single act of human insanity, bar none, in human history, if one examines all aspects of this. But you have people like David Keith. He, he's a real case in point. For people who don't know him, he's the world's most recognized geoengineer. And he's simply a public relations prop. I mean, he's... He, he seems to have a very large ego, likes to be in front of a mic or on TV, but um, not at all inhibited by lying. And when we see him, in fact, 10 years ago, he's he's sort of a, a poster child to me for the collective insanity, how people behave and the fact that they have no comprehension as to the consequences of their actions. So at the exchange I had with David Keith in the uh, 2010 geoengineering conference, where I asked him after his three and a half hour symposium, had he had, had done any study on human respiratory effect of dumping 20 million tons, which he had just proposed of alumina into the atmosphere, any human health effects, environmental toxicity, had any such studies been done? He tried to dodge the question and say, well, we looked at particulates in the atmosphere. There's, I'll paraphrase, there's a lot up there anyway, a little more won't hurt. Well, that's a pretty cavalier attitude, but I followed up before they could cut me off with a question that stuff in the atmosphere is an aluminum. Have you studied aluminum? And he, he very carefully said, well, uh, no, we haven't. Could terrible things happen tomorrow? We don't know. So that's the sort of attitude these people have. Now, since then, it, Mel, have you seen the, the Colbert Report where David Keith was on that? Yes, I have. So that was a very, very brilliant maneuver by Colbert. And on that show, now Keith had somehow dropped from 20 million tons annually to 20,000. That's a gigantic drop. So what happened? It's it's all just lies. It's all just lies. He's nothing but a public relations guy out there to muddy the water, and he, he follows his marching orders very readily. I have an email exchange between David Keith and a bioscientist from Stanford, a nanoparticulate specialist. I have that exchange in hand, and I, I think she's going to let me release it soon, where Keith makes known that he has no idea what a human microphage is, and this is a part, uh, an element of the human immune system that's greatly and negatively affected by aluminum. And this professor from Stanford was astounded that Keith could be pushing these programs with really clearly no clue of their effect on the human organism. Astoundingly revealing. And it, it just shows, the, the again, the sort of haphazard manner in which all this stuff is done. It's, it's no different, Mel, than for those who have seen the nuclear explosions and the sort of kids-in-a-sandbox mentality of these people where in the South Pacific, they just take whatever island they want, they just take it, move the people off, set up ships. In one case, they set up, I think, 185 fully functional warships, like kids setting up toys to blow them up, and they detonate nuclear weapons that they don't even really fully understand the effect of, but they do it anyway. It's it's like a bunch of psychotic uh, neighborhood bullies that just do things. Uh, you know, we had we had kids in our neighborhood that did things like that. Uh, they would they would blow up animals and, and lizards and and things. You know, uh, they were clearly twisted. But some of these kids grow up, and that's what we have now. Kids that have grown up that with, with mental deficiencies, they have no regard for life or, or consequences, and, and they're running the show. They're running the show. So if people have any regard or any desire for their posterity to have any future, for themselves to have any future, they better damn sure stand up fast because we don't have much time.
And this David Keith character, you know, Lenin said it best, the best way to control the opposition is to lead it ourselves so it could be false opposition. But we have to take a one and only intermission. But when we come back, Dean, Dane, I keep calling you Dean, my, my apologies, Dane. No um, we look at all these planes and we think there should be hundreds, if not thousands of pilots. Why haven't we seen any pilot could move forward. And at the same time, I look at Boeing. In the 1970s, you probably remember all the hijackings. In the 80s, they perfected the technology to remotely control the planes. Could these planes be remote controlled? But I'll take your answer on the way back. Please tell the listeners how they can learn more about your work, your DVDs, your website. Geoengineeringwatch.org. We have uh, plenty of data there. We're updating it constantly videos of actually a film of jets spraying at altitude that are really inarguable. So we try to use uh, our site as a tool for people to wake others up. That's the goal. Excellent. Folks, don't go anywhere. This is, like I said, this topic is one of my top five topics to discuss because it's right in front of our noses. And the biggest problem of all is that most people who watch TV are so asleep at the wheel that they basically call us nuts. They call us conspiracy theorists. But in the end, we know that what we're doing is right for future generations. This is Mel Fabregas. You're listening to Veritas. And I'm here with my special guest, Dane Wigginton from geoengineeringwatch.org. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important interview. To listen to the rest, go to veritasradio.com and subscribe. You will receive your login immediately. We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and we'll be right back. Enjoy. Maximum distance from the sun, 94,537,000 miles. Minimum distance from the sun, 91,377,000 miles. Mean distance from the sun, 92,957,200 miles. Mean orbital velocity, 66,000 miles per hour. Orbital eccentricity, 0.017. Obliquity of the ecliptic, 23 degrees, 27 minutes, 8.26 seconds. Tropical year, equinox to equinox, 365.24 days. Length of the sidereal year, fixed star to fixed star, 365.26 days. Length of the mean solar day, 24 hours, 3 minutes, 56.555 seconds in mean solar time. Length of the mean sidereal day, 23 hours, 56 minutes, 4.091 seconds in mean solar time. Mass, 6,600 million, million, million tons. Equatorial diameter, 
Edward Griffin, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. (laughs) 